0: Good morning, animal lovers everywhere, and welcome to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and I am thrilled that you've decided to start your morning off here with us. As animal lovers, most of you probably know how important animals are in our daily lives. They're part of our family, and we make certain to provide a healthy and happy home for them. But did you know there are many homeless people who have animal companions, and these furry critters really are their best friends? These folks struggle daily just to survive and will often do without to ensure that their four-legged family members have a good meal. Our first guest this morning will be Genevieve Frederick from Pets of the Homeless, an organization that helps provide the essentials for these animals and assistance to the people who call these pets best friends and after our halftime break Dr. Anson Sugawa will be presenting some interesting facts about good oral hygiene for animals so keep your radio tuned right here to K Mozart and we'll get started after a very quick station break. Welcome back. You're listening to the Pet Place Radio Show on K-Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt, and I'd like to welcome Genevieve Frederick, the founder of Pets of the Homeless, to the program. Good morning,
1: Genevieve. How are you today? I'm wonderful, and thank you for this wonderful opportunity to share our nonprofit.
0: Well, I'm really happy to have you guys on the show. I met all of you at Pet Expo in April and found out about all of your wonderful work with Uh, Pets of the Homeless, and I really would like you to share with our listeners what your organization is all about, because I just find it just to be a terrific organization.
1: Well, thank you. Um, We we kind of think it's pretty special, too, but uh, (laughs) (laughs) it's very close to our heart. Um, my, might I start off with just um, letting you know what our mission statement is? Absolutely. Okay. Well, we our legal name is Feeding Pets of the Homeless, and we're doing business as Pets of the Homeless.
2: Okay. We're
1: a national nonprofit volunteer member organization, and we provide pet food and veterinary care to the homeless and less fortunate in local communities. Um, our mission statement reads, through the Pets of the Homeless program, we will do our part in helping to reduce hunger in pets belonging to the homeless and the less fortunate and provide veterinary care for pets of homeless in communities across the country.
0: Wow. That is a huge undertaking because I know there are lots of pets who live with homeless folks and they are so important to these people. It would be devastating if anything happened to these animals. They're, they're really their they're link to a, a happy life.
1: That's correct. And for many, it keeps them in reality because a lot of homeless folks have some um, mental issues. And just the daily task of feeding and providing water for their pets keeps them in reality.
0: How do you find the homeless people who need your services, and how do they find you?
1: Um, actually, most uh, of the homeless that we work with directly are referred to us by agencies such as the Salvation Army, that uh, the, the, those ones in the communities that are aware of us, through social workers, uh, through people like you and I that are walking down the street or driving down the street, we see the same homeless person every day mm-hmm. and they're panhandling, and then we notice that something's not right with their pet. And that's when individuals, and it's just amazing how much people care, they will stop and they will talk to this person. Then they'll contact us and they'll say, I'm, I'm trying to help this person. How can you help me help this person? And then we will, if it's a, a situation where they need pet food, we will direct them to our website where they can find a organization that distributes pet food, and it's listed by state. And our website is uh, petsofthehomeless.org. Mm-hmm. It's pretty easy. Um, if the pet needs veterinary care, we will actually sometimes we will cold call a that that is local to where that homeless person is because of transportation being a problem,
2: sure.
1: then we will um, contact that veterinarian and say, we need to make an appointment. This is the case number. You will send us the invoice, and then we'll call the, the advocate for that homeless person back and say, we've got something set up. Can you relay the information to that homeless person if they don't have a cell phone? Or... Um, actually transport that. Sometimes our volunteers actually transport the homeless person and their pet. Wow. And then we take care of the cost to um, whatever is going on with that pet.
0: Well, that's such a wonderful thing. Now, you mentioned you you do this nationwide. Do you have a lot of chapters throughout the country where volunteers can join a particular chapter?
1: No, we don't have a chapter. What we have are collection sites, and those are businesses, any kind of a business. It usually ends up being a pet-related business, Mm -hmm. and they join our organization. There's no uh, cost to do that. We provide them with information on how to let their community know that they are working with us and how and where and when people can bring Pet food to their location. And our collection sites work with local food banks, pet food pantries, soup kitchens, homeless shelters, depending on what's in their community. Wow. Right now, we are working with 373 collection sites across the country.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Who in turn are working with 333 distributing organizations, and it could be the Salvation Army Soup Kitchen. It could be um, Meals on Wheels. We actually work with those folks also in certain communities. Whoever the collection site wants to pick to take pet food to for distribution, that's um, we will list them on our website. Then that way homeless that need our help, they can either contact us directly for veterinary care or they can find a distributing organization where they can go and get pet food.
0: Well, that's that's just such a great thing that you guys are doing. About how much food do you think has been distributed since your organization started?
1: Uh I'm proud to say that our collection sites have reported to us that they have taken over 124 tons of pet food to those soup kitchens, those homeless shelters, to those food pantries.
0: That is something to be very proud of. What an accomplishment and what a great thing that you're doing for the community. And as far as animals that have needed veterinary care, Mm -hmm. about how many pets do you think you have uh, provided care for?
1: You know, we work with so many veterinary hospitals and clinics across the country, and we have given those... People, those businesses, over $90,000 to treat over 5,500 pets that belong to homeless people.
0: Oh, that's fabulous.
1: Hey, do you also
0: help get the pets of the homeless spayed or neutered?
1: Absolutely. Whenever we have a, in fact, a lot of times we will sponsor a wellness clinic and also. Uh, spay and neuter clinics. If we get a veterinarian that is interested in doing that, Mm -hmm. they can contact us, and um, it's a very short application to apply for a wellness clinic or for a spay or neuter clinic, and we encourage them to go out to where the homeless congregate. So that could be an encampment off the side of the highway somewhere. Mm -hmm. It could be in the woods, or it could be out by a river, and um, it doesn't take much to do a wellness clinic. I myself go with our vet when they have a homeless connect here in Carson City, and we'll vaccinate 60 dogs in four hours. Wow. That's so, pretty impressive. And the cost is very nominal. So it, it's, it's a great way for uh, people to work with us, and um, we encourage veterinarians especially to contact us.
0: I bet you have a lot of real touching stories. Would you mind sharing your favorite with us?
1: Oh, there's just way too many, (laughs) way, (laughs) way too many. You can imagine with 5,500 pets. Mm -hmm. um, But I can tell you about a recent one. It was in Florida. One of our collection site volunteers happened to see a homeless man living in, she kept seeing this same van parked in the back of a Walmart in Florida. Mm -hmm. And she knew this person had a dog, and it was a little Pomeranian, believe it or not. And this gentleman was living in his van with his dog because a lot of shelters, and I would say 95% of shelters, do not allow homeless to come into a shelter with their pet. And that's another part of one of our programs that we do. We will to any homeless shelter, sleeping crates, so that homeless can come in oh, that's and receive those services that they need to get out of homelessness. Oh,
2: but when they're great. not allowed
1: to come into that shelter... Then they and they, they won't the leave service. their dog. Uh-huh. They don't have a lot of options.
0: Wow. And how are the shelters uh, responding to that? Are they okay with uh, the crate program and, and having the dogs in the crates so that they can help the people?
1: You know what? It's a very slow, slow process because so many public buildings like homeless shelters don't allow dogs in unless they are service dogs.
2: Uh-huh. So we
1: are working with them to try to... Um, get through the regulations that the city, county, or state has on those public buildings. And a lot of times, you know what, one of my favorite stories is that there's a group of churches in California, and during the winter when the weather is the most severe, they take turns every night of the week inviting homeless with their pets to come to their church. They provide them with a cot a free meal, and a sleeping crate for their animal. (laughs) And then next night they tell them where to go. Tomorrow Uh night you're going to be at the First Baptist Church. The Uh night after that you're going to be. And we help supply them with all those crates.
0: Oh,
2: that
1: is
0: fabulous.
1: There are ways to get around it. You just have to think outside the box. (laughs) Yeah, yeah.
0: I hope that changes, though, so that people can bring their pets to the shelters. It just makes more sense to... Oh. To be able to provide the services to the homeless folks who, yeah. who aren't going to get the services if they have to leave their pets. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's so obvious.
1: Yeah. How can our
0: listeners help?
1: Well, the listeners can go to our website, and again, that's petsofthehomeless.org. They can volunteer to help us recruit more collection sites in, in their own community, and then that pet food stays there or they can give us a monetary donation on our website, and that will go towards either the sleeping crates or to the veterinary care and to the wellness clinics and the spay and neuter. I, I The story I was going to tell you was about this woman who kept seeing this van, and she finally approached the man with pet food because she, you know, just wanted to help, and she noticed, he, he told her that the dog wasn't eating and that was it was sick, and she said, let me see how I can help you. She called us, we set up a case number, we called a local veterinarian, and he agreed to examine the dog and then call us with the prognosis. Once he did, it was obvious to him that the dog needed to have a number of teeth pulled that um Pomeranians are notorious for having bad teeth mm-hmm. but anyway so we um made the arrangements the dog um ended up having the teeth pulled and we paid for the um surgery and all of the veterinarians that we work with are very generous they usually give us 25 up to 50% discounts oh, because they want to help
0: That's such a great story. And I just wish you continued success with everything you do and want to thank you again for coming on the
1: show today. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you.
0: We need to take a very quick break now, but when we return, Dr. Anson Sugawa will be sharing information on how to make sure your pet's dental health is in tip-top shape. So stay right where you are, and we'll be right back with more Pet Place here on k Mozart. Welcome back to the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewitt, and it is my pleasure to introduce and welcome Dr. Anson Sugala to the program. Hi there, Doctor.
3: Hi there. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing very well. I'm Excellent. delighted that you're here today, and I'd like you to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your practice and all the fun things that you do. All right. Yeah, I could
3: go on hours about that, but... <laughs> Anyway, um yeah, I'm a board certified veterinary dentist. We've uh, been practice for the last fourteen years and eight of them just here in Los Angeles and right now I'm the chief of staff of dog and cat dentist uh, which is a specialty clinic and we're devoted to general veterinary dentistry and oral surgery and the companion animal, mostly dogs and cats. Um we've offices in both uh, the West Side and Culver City and the San Fernando Valley and Woodland Hills, and um, live here in LA with my wife. She's uh, actually a veterinary cardiologist, and our two young children and uh, two cats.
0: Oh wow, yeah. it's really interesting. More and more veterinarians are becoming specialists and opening up specialist facilities, and and that's sort of a, a recent turn of event of events. Are there many dentists
3: for for animals out there? Um, there's not, uh, especially in Los Angeles area. We're um, our practice is the only one with a board-certified specialist in dentistry. Um, it's also unique from other aspects. I mean, I think not only from the services, you know, that we, we perform, but perhaps probably the most proud thing, you know, in terms of our practice is just our, our work alongside the other specialists at our clinic. You know, we just okay. have direct access to a lot of other specialists, whether it be in you know, internal medicine, critical care, surgery, and just to name a few. But it, it's a concept where you're just kind of mindful of just treating the whole animal and just not just the mouth.
0: Okay. When I was a kid, I used to be real excited about going to the dentist because when I was all done, I'd get to go into the toy box and grab a toy. Do you
3: have a toy box for your patients? <laughs> well, probably the best we can do is probably a, a dog biscuit. But okay. So...
0: <laughs> How do the animals respond to coming in for dentistry? Is it kind of a scary thing for them, Is just like going to the veterinarian, I suspect?
3: I think it is. I mean, I you know, I, I certainly I think... As far as from the experience from the lobby, um, as they kind of migrate to the exam room, I think um, we do our best in terms of making it as pleasant as possible, probably for the client. But, you know, there's also a lot of anxiety when it comes to the dogs and cats coming in for their appointment. But, um, fortunately, a lot of our work is um, done under anesthesia, but we can get a general idea in terms of what's kind of going on with the mouth just uh, in the initial exam. So a lot of anxiety, um, understandably, but we do our best to kind of um, keep that at the minimum.
0: Now, people are encouraged to see their dentist every six months. Would the same be true for
3: pets? Uh, Certainly, um, when you're speaking about a veterinary dentist, um, you know, certainly there's just not enough of us around there to, to provide a lot of that primary general care. So, you know, that's where kind of the general, the family veterinarian comes into play in terms of delivering kind of the point of service just to general care. But uh, so far as a veterinary dentist goes, um, we offer a lot of more specialty procedures, um, advanced um, veterinary dental care um, for particular diseases that are kind of out of the the experience range of the general practitioner. But oh, for okay. the most part, most of the general six months or one-year type of annual cleanings are done um, by the family veterinarian. Oh, okay.
0: Well, what are some of the most common dental problems that you see and treat? Uh,
3: probably the probably the most common thing would be periodontal disease. You know, certainly that's um, related very much to poor oral hygiene. So, unfortunately, a lot of our dogs and cats, you know, don't get the best of care with that. So that's probably the most common. Um, broken and teeth, another one, too.
0: Okay. How How do you deal with these sort of issues? What's the standard procedure here?
3: You know, a lot of what you'd expect at the the human dentist is what kind of you expect coming here to a, a veterinary dentist. Um, you know, obviously our patients are, are, are sleeping comfortably under anesthesia, but um, very much of the same technology, whether it be dental x-rays, a, a very thorough examination um, under anesthesia is done um, as kind of a starting point. And once we kind of get that point, um, we, we assess all the information we've gathered from that examination and kind of move on to treatment from there. But it's a uh, very standardized procedure in, in terms of what patients get when they come in here, just a very thorough examination and, and um, dental x-rays, which should be part of any type of veterinary dental cleaning or dental procedure. I see. As
0: pet guardians, what can we do to prevent dental issues from becoming serious issues?
3: Um, probably the most important thing um, is probably tooth brushing. You know, I think it, it's it's hard to hear, and understandably, you know, I think a lot of times uh, things fall short of that, and, you know, you never kind of reach that ideal situation. But in terms of how to proceed from there, I think because daily brushing is so difficult, there's a lot of different special diets, there's treats, there's oral rinses and gels and water additives, even newer tooth coatings at the, that are available in the consumer market and even in the veterinary market that can be very helpful in in helping out with that. Um, I I think the trick is just kind of knowing which ones have been tested and which ones work the best. And um, just to put a quick plug in for the Veterinary Oral Health Council, um, which is an independent organization that it exists to review a lot of these, these products out there on the market to make it easier for consumers to know which ones have been tested and actually have some clinical significance. So you kind of want to look for that seal on um, some of the packages that you look for in terms of these dental dental products on the market. And um, some of the current lists for these products um, you can find on the web at the Veterinary Health Council website, um, and that's uh, org.
0: Okay. I know that there are a lot of treats, and you mentioned this, on the market that are supposedly uh, good for your dog's dental health. Are, are those legitimate?
3: Yeah, um, you know, kind of um, tying into my last comment, you know, I think um, the rule of thumb in terms of whether it's good or not, you know, I think is it's just whether it's a safe enough treat or toy. And I think one of the rule of thumbs that I kind of live by is just, you know, whether or not you can indent the toy with your fingernail, for example, or if you hit the toy in your knee, it's, it's ouchy. You know, it's probably a toy that's uh, – way too hard and kind of predisposed to tooth fracture. So in addition, you know, kind of the no-nos in terms of treats, um, kind of a a short list um, would be cow hooves, um, a lot of those bully sticks, kind of those hollow long bones, antlers, ice cubes, and some of those hard plastic toys. I mean, these are way too hard and, and certainly predisposed to tooth injury. So when you're looking at those products at the store, um, you know, just kind of using that rule of thumb kind of will kind of help you navigate through that and try to find a a safe toy that's fun but also beneficial in terms of um, dental health. Hey,
0: on the subject of things that are way too hard, I've known a few dogs in my life who like to chew on rocks and, and it's just destroyed their teeth. How do you stop a dog from chewing on rocks?
3: You know, well, I guess the, the the easy answer would be just to remove it. But, you know, clearly dogs go on walks, dogs are out in yards, and, you know, I think they have access to rocks, obviously, um, totally out of your control. Um, you know, I think some of the, the primary things are maybe not even dental-related, just making sure there's not any other kind of medical condition that could cause um, inappropriate eating of, of different objects, you know, whether it be even feces. I mean, it sounds gross, but,
0: Mm
2: -hmm. you
3: know, some of those simple things in terms of that could be indications of other diseases, so you just want to make sure you don't overlook those and just focus on the mouth.
0: Hey, well, I'm asking you unusual questions here. What's the most unusual or exotic animal that you've worked on with respect to teeth?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think you'd probably... I think that I'd probably see a tiger, which, um, you know, certainly, yes. I mean, I think uh, they're impressive animals up close, and and certainly, and just, you know, I've had the wonderful privilege over the years working with um, animals at the local zoos. But I think probably the most interesting, and probably just because we see them so commonly, just the hoofstock, just the unusual hoofstock that are out there. Um, You know, the gerinic is, you know, one of them. If you're not familiar, it's it's a long-necked antelope uh, from eastern Africa, and it's it just the host dogs in general, you know, they present just a challenge, you know, in terms of just even looking at their mouth because, you know, they just don't open their mouth wide enough.
2: Mm-hmm. So it's kind
3: of even, you know, contemplating treatment from that standpoint, it's kind of a challenge. So it's just it, creativity is required, and it just uh, it, um, it's really interesting if you're a veterinary dentist.
0: As a veterinary dentist, I'm sure you probably see rabbits also, and, and they have unusual teeth insofar as their teeth grow for their whole life. What sort of recommendations do you have for rabbit owners to make sure that their rabbits have healthy teeth?
3: Yeah, um, good question. I think um, the answer to that is from two, point, two sides. I guess the first part is you know just making sure their diet's correct. I think you know dietary and husbandry are probably such a big part of it. And you know you just kind of think about the teeth, but you know I think dietary aspects and husbandry are, are probably the primary key component. Uh, of good dental health. But the second is just not overlooking the back teeth. I think, you know, you see the front teeth all the time and those commonly get trimmed or ground down with special instruments at the veterinarian um, to try to keep them in check. But a lot of times it's a primary problem of the back teeth. Um, A lot of the cheek chewing teeth that are the primary problem. So just kind of overlooking some of the teeth further in the back just because they're harder to look at um, sometimes isn't the right approach.
0: Okay, well this is a fascinating topic. And I know that our listeners have probably gotten a lot of information, but probably want a little more. So let's give your website out one more time.
3: Sure. That'll be um, dogandcatdentist.com, all spelled out.
0: Dogandcatdentist.com. Well, I'm sure delighted that you were able to stop by this morning and share your expertise on the subject. Thank you so much.
3: Thank you as well.
0: We need to take one last break now, but don't go away, because we'll be right back with Pet Place News and Events. Here, I'm Kay Mozart. We're back on the Pet Place Radio Show. I'm Marie Hewlett, and it's time for Pet Place News and Events. Do you know what today is? Well, it's the Irvine Animal Care Center's Super Adoption Event From 10 to 4 today, the shelter will be hosting Orange County's largest pet adoption event. $1 entrance fee will grant you admission to over 100 exhibits and vendors, over 800 adoptable pets from shelters and rescues all over Southern California, free gifts to the first 100 adopters, free vet and trainer advice, low-cost microchips and rabies vaccinations, a silent auction, and a Paul Mitchell cut with all proceeds going to benefit homeless pets. If you've never been to one of the shelter's big adoption events, you'll definitely want to check this one out. Again, it's from 10 to 4 at the Irvine Animal Care Center. For more info, visit www.irvineshelter.org. And don't forget to check out our website at www.petplace.org to send us your comments or suggestions for the show and see what other fun animal related activities there are on the Pet Place calendar. Well, that's all for me today. Remember, pets need love and a home, too. We'll be back next weekend with more of the Pet Place here on K Mozart. I'm Marie Hewitt. Please spare new neuter your pets and have a wonderful day.